I always thought I could fix it myself. Like I'm someone that has, like I'm, I'm a strong person. I have like a lot of willpower. So I always thought it was something I could, I can fix, like I can fix this. I know I can. Another part of it was like, I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to be like, oh, here we go. How cliche, another model with an eating problem where, oh, she only looking for attention. And I was like, I don't want, I'm not going to say that because that's not what it is. This is a GK Media Podcast. Linda Duffy, thank you so much for coming in and joining me on Gary Talks. Thank you for having me. Former Miss Ireland, mm-hmm. 2002. Former girlfriend. Former what? <laughs> <laughs> I just think about that. I was like, what's he talking about? I was like, would she just let it roll and I'll get away Absolutely. with it? Absolutely. Start a nice rumor yeah. around. But yeah, I've known you for years. And I suppose when people go abroad, you kind of get a little glimpse into what's going on in their life as they're overseas and you were in Dubai and stuff. Uh, and kind of you got quieter and quieter on social media, as I suppose most of us did as we kind of advanced into our 30s and so on. And you returned back to Ireland last year, I think it was, wasn't it? I came back Christmas Eve. And life really has changed for you so much in the last 12 months, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think if you were to ask... My close friends, they would say I'm a completely different person and definitely people that I would have worked with, particularly in the last two years before coming home, they they definitely seen the the not so good Linda and the absolute like, gosh, who is this girl, Mm. you know? Um, So coming back home was obviously a big decision to leave Middle East, the sunshine, tax-free salary, guaranteed salary and just start something completely afresh that was... That was definitely something that I didn't take lightly and I didn't decide on lightly. It was something that I actually put a lot of thought into. Um, and for me, I made the right decision in terms of coming home and kind of setting up what I do now. So, yeah. So I want to kind of get into rapid transformational therapy because you're a rapid transformational therapist, which is the new business which you've started. And I think it'll also be interesting for people to hear from someone who was kind of a year in business and how one has been able to, you know, get clients in the door and grow and scale and what you've learned in that journey. And also, I suppose, starting off a business which is so different to what you were known for for so many years. But let's just head back into the Linda Duffy, who we knew 20 plus years ago, who was a model and still is with Catwalk Model Agency and you won Miss Ireland in 2002 and we have learned since then as well that you had trouble for I think it was like 25 plus years with 26 with an eating disorder so talk to me about modeling firstly getting into that and and the fun because you you work with Mandy who's been on the show yeah um how it, how it started for me was uh, I knew a girl that was modelling at the time and I thought she was stunning and I was like, oh, I want to do what she does. So I literally rang up Mandy and was like, I want to be a model, you know. She was like, OK, so I mean, some photos and that's how it, for me, that's how it all started. Um, so I was doing a part time when I was in university and kind of, I think I was about six months modelling with Mandy before the Miss Galway came up and she'd asked a few of us, like, would you consider going in? And I was like, mm, as you do, like, oh, I don't know if I lose, I'm going to look like an idiot. you know. So you weren't full of confidence at that <laughs> stage? I was always confident. It was the self-esteem that was really low. 
So you can be you can be confident and have low self-esteem. They're two they're linked, but they're two very different things. Um, so the confidence was there, but it was the element of like, oh, what if I don't win? What are people going to say? Oh, there she is. She thinks she was great. She entered into that. All that kind of talk, you know, kind of critic talk. Mm. Um, so at the time, I remember my my boyfriend at the time, he was like, well, if you don't go in it, like you're never going to win it. And I was like, OK, yeah. So went in it and won that. And that was super exciting. And then I think it was about maybe uh, maybe two months, yeah, maybe two months max that the Miss Ireland came about. So that was kind of a step up in terms of you're not just competing against five or six girls. You know, I think there was, I can't remember at the time, there was probably maybe 30 odd. I think there was one per county. And I remember going in thinking, I'm not the tallest. I'm not the thinnest. I'm not the prettiest. I don't have the nicest teeth. I'm not wearing the nicest clothes. And again, that started kind of like the I'm not good enough kind of thing. But then I kind of thought, but I have enough of everything, I think. You know, so while I mightn't be the tallest, that doesn't matter. Or I mightn't be the skinniest, that doesn't matter. Because I was smart enough at the time to know that you might be really pretty, but your personality isn't that good. Or just because you think you're pretty doesn't make you a winner. And like, I could, I could recognize, thankfully, I could recognize that at the time. Were you confident with your personality, is it? But not your I was physical con- appearance? I w- yeah. So I was confident in who I was. I was a confident in who, how I portray myself um, publicly in terms of, let's say, posture, how I talk, how I hold myself, intelligence, things like that. So sometimes that's enough that if you're not the prettiest or you're not the tallest or the skinniest, sometimes you have enough of those smaller elements, which sometimes are more important, that'll get you where you need to go. So, But this negative talk, where was that stemming from growing so, up? Yeah, so, so negative talk comes from past experiences. Um upbringing, if you come from perhaps a dysfunctional family or if you come from what we call maybe sometimes a happy family, because we don't know any different, particularly when you're young, mm. you know, when you're seven, eight, nine, you don't know what's normal. You just know what goes on in your home, you know, until you get older and you realize, oh, actually, your parents don't do that or they do that. I'm like, oh gosh, like, yeah. that's not what I'm used to, you know, and suddenly then you realize, oh, okay, that's a bit different. Or it can come from other experiences where you know, maybe something happened in school or with a neighbour or it can be anything really. But something happens for you to form that belief about yourself. Yeah, from the outside, I mean, you were always stunning. And I know me saying it and you believing it is completely different. And me thinking it, it doesn't make a difference for you. Mm. But like, you know, did you feel that your physical appearance was being attacked over years that you had formed this or did you just form it yourself? Um, I think a little... A little bit of both. I definitely lived in a world where the visuals were super important because I was like, oh, if you're, because it's natural, you live in a world if someone's really pretty, you're like, oh, they must have everything better or they get everything easier or they get picked for this because they're pretty. Or, same for guys, like if you're super handsome, well, you got that because you're super handsome, whatever. Um, and look, I, I knew I was never ugly. And there's no point sitting there thinking, oh, God, you're an ugly duckling. That's not the case. Mm. Right. But I was always striving for, but I don't look like her. I don't look like her. I don't look like her. And I'm never going to look perfect. If you think of the likes of, I don't know, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston. For for me, Angelina Jolie, like she's stunning. Mm. Like she's had people cheat on her. Yeah. So it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter how good looking you are. There's always going to be something more better looking. There's always going to be something taller. There's always going to be skinnier. There's always going to be something more smarter. You're never going to be, you know, that there's no perfection. It doesn't yeah. exist. So you have to be comfortable with what you have. 
And that comes from accepting who you are. And sometimes it comes from, if it comes from a place of trauma, you have to release that trauma. So you go up to Miss Ireland mm. two months after winning Miss Galway. Mm. Is there a buzz like, was this great fun or was this petrifying? Um, it was, it was neither. I wouldn't say it was great. I, I was like, I'm, I'm quite a calm person anyway. It's like, it takes a lot for me to get like super excited and it takes a lot for me to kind of get sad. Um, I think what, what was different for me between the Miss Galway and the Miss Ireland was because the Miss Ireland was done in reverse order, right? The Miss Galway was like your winner. So you have that, oh my, oh my God, I'm the winner. Like, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You know, while the Miss Ireland, I, I knew who my competition was, you know, based on different things. And because they went in reverse order, I was like, okay, they're gone before me. That must mean I have it, you know, because at that point I, I, I knew, even though my name wasn't called. So it kind of took okay, away the element okay. of surprise, which I know sounds a bit weird, but I, I knew. So someone knew, who you thought was going to win it was announced as third. Yeah, I, I knew, second, I knew yeah. who were the hot favourites were, you know, and I knew they went before me. So I was like, Kind of looking around going, well, definitely not you. <laughs> you can't be it. <laughs> if you were it, I must be terrible. Um, no, but like, so, so the, I think the excitement, that initial kind of like, mm. oh my God, that was not there. But then afterwards, obviously, it kind of turned your kind of life changes a bit and you become popular all of a sudden or even more popular, whatever it is. And, and what was that like? Um, I learned very quickly about media in terms of what you say and how that's maybe transpires into print media the next day in terms of what you've said and what you meant versus what they concluded it meant or what they wanted to write. I learned that very quickly. Um, I learned <clears throat> the people that want to be around you for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. I want to be go here. I want to be seen with you because I want to, because back in that day it was all, um, you know, it was print media. Yeah. So if I go to this, I'm going to be in the paper pictured with this person. I was like, okay, I figured that out pretty quickly. I figured out people that um, I can trust. Yeah, but it's definitely a learning curve. But you, if you're somewhat smart, you'll pick it up pretty quickly. And when someone says to you, former Miss Ireland, mm. inside you're like, oh, not again. Um, sometimes. Like at the time, I probably didn't appreciate it, what it was at the time. Like the big, it's like it's only how many girls get to say that, that they were that. You know, at the time I didn't really appreciate it. Um, now, look, it's so long ago now. It's like it, it's a certain part of your identity and it always will be, particularly from a local level or something like that. Um, but no, look, it doesn't bother me. It's if someone says it, fine. If they don't, I don't care either. So, but definitely it does open doors. It just, it opens conversations with people you probably wouldn't have had before and it, it definitely gets you job interviews that you wouldn't have before because yeah. it'll be on your CV. Like it does open doors if you used in the right way and particularly if you want to get into TV or you want to go further into modelling or whatever kind of career you want to choose, you can use that as a kind of a jumping start. So what was the plan? Because you're you're still in college at this stage. Mm. What are you studying? Marine science. Okay. Which I hated, by the way. <laughs> so you're studying marine science mm. and this whole other pathway mm. has opened up for you now mm. that you could potentially go down mm. and experience. So what were you thinking and what did you do? So I took a year out of uni um, and I worked part time in a boutique in town um, and I just fulfilled my duties as Miss Ireland. And I think it was about maybe, I'd say it was only about a month after winning Miss Ireland that I went off to Miss World. Um, but I kind, I, I kind of realised quite quickly that like 
I'm not someone who loves to put on makeup every day. I'm not someone that loves to do my hair every day. I'm not someone that likes getting dressed up every day. I learned pretty quickly that who I wasn't was. I was comfortable being that person for a day if I needed to. But mm. it's, it's, it's hard to be that person every day when you're not naturally that person. And also as like, I'm an introvert. I'll be an extrovert around the right people. But when you're put in situations where you're like, I don't want to go, I don't want to speak to this, I don't know what I'm going to say to this person. Like, and that's tough when you have to kind of like, some, and a lot of the time you're going to things on your own. Yeah, you know, and your, your job is to network with people and you're like, I have no idea what to say to these people. I don't even know what they do. But you have to kind of like force yourself to just come up with anything, something. That must be terrible. It, it's, it's, yeah, like it's not, it's not fun. And like, I, I still am an infert, you know, and, but, but when people see you in that situation where you're chatty and you're doing this, they're like, oh God, like she must have great confidence and she's an, an extrovert. Well, in reality, I'm actually not. So you might meet me the next week and I'm, I don't know what to say to you. I, I might even avoid you. And you're like, what's like, what's going on with her? Like, yeah. what's up what's up with her? Like, she brought it. Like, no. Because I've had those moments at networking events. And again, people would consider me to be you know, a bit of an extrovert. Mm. And you go in and you don't really know anyone in the room and there might be two or three people in a circle and you see a little gap and you kind of go in and, you know, <laughs> after 10 or 20 seconds. My safe zone. Yeah, yeah but if this, the worst thing is when they don't acknowledge your presence in their little circle and you kind of fade back out of that circle again and try and go I'll somewhere just, else. I'll somewhere. go on my phone or I go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It is. It's not fun, but I think. <clears throat> and that's that's me doing it because I, for, you know, for business purposes. Yeah, but yeah, I can imagine you when you're planted in there and it's, it's like mm -hmm. go on and work the room. Yeah. And, it, and it's still, you're getting paid to do it. So that's your job for that day. Um, but definitely I've noticed as, as t particularly in the last three years where like, I've just noticed that if I am in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, I just leave and I, I, I don't feel the need to make up an excuse. I just recognize I'm in an uncomfortable position. Why am I in this position? Because either I'm not comfortable with these people, I don't like these people mm. or whatever it is. And I, I remove myself. Well, before I was like, oh, I have to stay here because this person knows this person. If I leave, they'll be like, oh, what's our problem? Or I'm like, yeah. no, I just, I'm over that now. And whatever people think, that's their opinion. So do you leave the room now and just look back and go, you're a bunch of tossers? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. But I try I try to spend less time around people that I know I'm going to be thinking those things. Like I, 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 I value my time a lot more now. Um, and I recognize people that make me feel good. I, I only want to be around people that make me feel good or make me feel at ease, make me feel comfortable. So you're at Miss World and mm -hmm. are you looking around saying, I am nothing like these women? Oh, 100%. 100%. And in reality, I wasn't. And I'm okay. I was okay with that. Like I can recognize beauty when I see it. I can recognize I don't look like them and, and be okay with that. Like I'm not delusional, you know. Um, Miss World was hard in that like you're gone for four months which I didn't know that at the time. I was like, that's a long time to pretend to be somebody that you're naturally not mm. getting dressed up every day, putting on them. Just, it's not like my best friends will tell you that, like, that's just not me. Um, so I found that really tough. And the year I went to was in Nigeria and it was, they had their own controversy around things that happened. Like there was, I don't know if you remember, but um, there was a journalist that made a comment about um, Prophet Muhammad. Obviously, Nigeria is primarily Islam. Um, and the country just went into chaos and there was like absolute sabotage. Like I think about 100 people were killed and we were like right in the middle of it. And just it was 
you know, I'd never been, definitely had never been to Nigeria. I think I'd been to Africa once before that, but you're like, oh my God, what, like, what's going on? Are we safe here? You don't really know anybody. You don't have your family around you. And it was just, it was a very unique experience. Um, but again, looking back, I probably didn't appreciate it at the time. Mm. But like I say, you know, how many people get to say that they're there in this world, regardless of what you look like, you know, I was there that year. Yeah, but I can understand it. it, it it's almost like a dream that you didn't really want come true. And you're almost in the middle of it now, just not feeling. Yeah, it was th- It was definitely something. Look, I never, I, I wasn't the girl that, you know, grew up kind of like, oh, what do we miss world? Or, I wasn't that. I mean, it would have been nice for sure. And I was happy to kind of go along with it, but it wasn't the dream. It was just like, oh, that's cool. I, I want that. Mm. I don't know how much I'm willing to work for it, but I want it. Mm. You know, you learn a lot about yourself through things like that. Yeah. You know, you really do. And you have to sometimes put yourself in those uncomfortable positions to learn those things. Otherwise, how will you know? So what was the dream growing up? Honestly, I don't think I had one. Like when I left school, I just wanted to work. I just wanted to work and make money, but my parents wouldn't let me. They're like, you're going to uni, all your siblings went and you're going. And if you don't, what will the neighbours say kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, looking at my, what do we call them, CEO forms? Is it? Oh, yeah. And they're like, what about business? And I was like, I don't want to do it. What about law? Don't want to do it. What about commerce? Don't want to do it. Well, you're picking something. So literally for me, it was case eeny, meeny, mo, And that's how the marine science came up. And I, I genuinely, I just hated college. Hated it. I went through it and I got my degree, but like it was, and I don't regret having a degree for sure. Particularly if you go abroad and a lot of companies will require you to have a degree, even if it's absolutely not related to what you do. But c- college isn't just going to classes. It's that whole experience. Yeah, and I was, um, again, I was quite introverted. I wasn't the part, I, like I, I was never the party person. I was still very much the introvert, but I probably didn't recognise it as an introvert back then. I just thought that that's who I am and I'm not the party girl. And I don't particularly like going to actually drinking. I'm not a huge drinker. I don't particularly enjoy drinking when I don't like the drink, you know. Mm. Um, and is shy and introvert the same thing, do you think? Good question. In a way, like they're linked. Yeah. There's different, like there's varying degrees to it. Like you'll have people who are just super shy and there's no matter what you pay them, they're not going to go to an event on their own. Um, in in introverts, like with an introvert, you're aware of where you feel comfortable. And when you go out of that environment, that's where the kind of introvert really kicks in and it's visible maybe to other people. Like, I, But equally, you know, I've been out with, and this is even since I moved back home, I've been out with friends. And I'll 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 just kind of go. And these are people I've known for years, and I'm comfortable around and like normal surroundings. But I'll still go into introvert mode, and they'll be like, "You're very quiet. Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." And these are people I'm comfortable with. Mm. They can kind of come on at any time, and you just can't until you are that person. You can't really explain it. Like versus an extrovert, someone who loves going places, loves talking, loves being center of attention, and all that kind of stuff. And you're like. Like how, <laughs> like how does that happen? So, yeah. do you see it then as a negative that you need coping mechanisms, or do you, is it just part of who you are and you're? No, I don't. I, yeah, like I don't see it as for me personally. I don't see it as a negative. It's just who I am. I'm not going to force myself to be an extrovert. I will if I have to. Mm. You know, if it's something that I this is going to be good for me, I need to put myself in this uncomfortable position. Or if I'm getting paid to do that, then of course. But no, I accept myself for as my minfort and minfort. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I don't need, well, like, why do I need to? Yeah. I think as you get older, you get more like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. 
when you're younger, you're like, oh, I have to fit in here or I have to go here because all the cool people are going here. Or I like this person or I like this guy or whatever. So like you, you'll force yourself to do things. So you're in your 20s and you've done Miss World. And again, you are at that age that we all were, where you're so aware of what other people think of you and so mm. on. And sometimes it can mold us and define us and so on. So you haven't won Miss World, mm-hmm. which probably on hindsight was a good thing. Who knows? <laughs> well, I don't think it's something that you would have ever been you know, comfortable carrying. It would have been a challenge, but I would have, you know, travelled a lot and, yeah. Yeah, but do you think it's something you really, really wanted? Back then, no. No. I think if, if you, like, you could be Miss World for a month, I'd be okay with that. Mm. Full year, I don't know. So you're back in Galway. Mm. And it's like a fresh start again, isn't it? Well, you still have to fulfill your year as Miss Ireland. So you're still doing all those things and that's fine. But then when that finished, I was like, OK, well, I have one more year left of college. So I have to go back and finish that. I didn't, I, I never really wanted to pursue the kind of the TV. Like, I didn't care about it enough. If someone said, oh, we really want to put it up. Like, OK, well, let's see where it goes. But I didn't want it enough to go after it. Yeah. You know. But you still didn't know what you wanted to do at this stage, did no, you? I, I get. Like, realistically, I sure knew what I wanted to do two years ago. Like most people, you go through just the motions and you're like, I have a job, it's a good job, I get paid, okay, and mm. don't really know what I want to do, so I might as well do this until I figure out what I want to do, which sure, maybe I'll never figure out what I want to do. So you're working in the medtech industry then mm-hmm. for a few years. Mm. And in 2012? 2011. 2011, you decided to just pack your bags and move to the Middle East. Mm. Yeah, so I'd I'd been in Goi up until then and then like that again, I was in a job that I really did not enjoy. And towards the latter probably year, I was like, I really like literally like I remember a couple of mornings crying, driving over town, going to work because I just I just really hated it. Um, but I felt stuck. I didn't know I'd done a degree in something that I didn't like. This was I was working in the med tech for a few years, didn't like that. I was like, what else can I do? And that kind of scared me. And that puts you off like, well, I don't know what to do, so I'll just stay in this job because it's, you know, comfortable and it's easy and whatever. Just I got to the point where, do you know what it was actually? I, I was in a relationship that ended and I wasn't, I was heartbroken over it and I wasn't enjoying work. And I just, one day I was like, I was like screw it. Like, I just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to quit my job and see where that takes me. So I remember contacting a recruitment agency in Dublin and, a, friend, a girl I knew actually was working there and I was like, I don't know what I want to do, having a clue. I just know I don't want to do this. Can somebody help me? And she was like, come up and meet some of the directors. So I was like, OK. So I went up and had the same kind of chat with them. Not a clue what I want to do. This is what I have done. Help me, essentially. And they were kind of chatting and all the rest. And then they called me after and they're like, would you consider recruitment? I'd never even thought of that. And at that point, I was like, yeah, why not? So I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, so they made me an offer and that was it. And I was like, right, I'm done. Um, So I moved to Dublin for, I think I was there about maybe four months. And then I met somebody in Dublin and they were moving to Dubai and that kind of happened. And uh, I went over to Dubai just to kind of see what it looks like. And then they're like, will you move over? And I was like, yeah. So within... Yeah. And the someone you met in Dublin was someone you were in a relationship with as opposed Exa- exactly. to Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so off I went to, I was like, right, see you guys, I'm I'm moving to Dubai. And the relationship in Galway then, if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. like you, you know, just even relating it to my own life. So you were probably, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s, you probably thought 
that you were going to go down a certain path then you know the white picket fence and all that um, and that that's the map <clears throat> that you were going to head for I, th I, th I think yeah I certainly in that relation I certainly wanted to go that way um, looking back now it was totally the wrong relationship mm. um, well the, the dynamics were wrong I'm actually friends with that person now but um, the dynamics were wrong that person actually didn't live in Ireland at the time so it was a long distance relationship and when I say long I mean the, the states yeah, you yeah. know Um but the but rug, you felt the rug really pulled from I under just, you. I think that was just kind of the, that was the last straw. I was like, oh, I just, I'm just, I'm not happy. I'm not happy in Goey. I'm not happy in my job. I'm not happy coming out of this relationship. I'm just not happy. And I ha like something has to change because I, and I, I remember at that point, that was the first time actually now when we're talking, that we're talking about it. It was the first time I woke up where I was like, I actually don't care if I wake up. I actually don't want to wake up. And I wasn't like, I wasn't, I didn't have suicidal thoughts, but I was like, I don't care if I don't wake up because I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel this pain. I just wanted to go away. And that's where I first was like, I just want to sleep because when I'm asleep, I can't think. When I can't think, it means I'm at peace. <laughs> and that was what prompted that, like, I, I like something has to change. How long was the eating disorder going on then at this stage? So that started when I was 16. But I didn't, I actually didn't know that until I actually went through the therapy myself. I, and I thought it was it continuous or was it like every so <clears throat> no, often? No, no, at that point, at that point, it was more um, over consuming. I wouldn't even say I was binging, but I was over consuming. Right. So it only, it was only kind of really before I left Galway to go to Dublin that I kind of, a few years before that, that I recognized that like it wasn't normal. But again, I didn't, I didn't really know what it was. So you were eating too much? Mm. Like you're, you're eating until the point that you're sick. You want to be sick. Now, I was never bulimic. Okay. I never made myself sick. Thank God. I, I actually had a phobia of getting sick. So that probably prevented me from being bulimic. Um, but you're eating to a point where you literally like you have to lie down or you're like, I know if I eat one more bite, I am going to be sick. And you're hiding it from like nobody knew. Even my boyfriend, like my boyfriend at the time. Because you, you just hide everything. You don't tell anyone. People might see, because she's eating a lot, but they won't. And they might think, but they're not, they don't ask you. And you don't tell them because as soon as you tell them, they're going to be watching everything you do. Mm. Plus at that point, you kind of don't really know what it is. You're just like, ah, oh, okay, I'm over it. Okay. And w when you're carrying out an act like that and you don't tell anyone about it, is part of that as well because you feel it's one thing you have control of by not letting other people in on? At that point, no. At that point, I didn't know what it was. Like, I genuinely had no idea what it was. Um, I know now what it was. Like, for me personally, it was a case of, because I didn't recognize it was such a problem at the time, I didn't tell people. And two, I always thought I could fix it myself. Like, I'm someone that has, like, I'm, I'm a strong person. I have, like, a lot of willpower. So I always thought it was something I could, I can fix, like, I can fix this. I know I can. You know, or... Another part of it was like, I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to be like, oh, here we go. How cliche, another model with an eating problem or, oh, she only looking for attention. And I was like, I don't want, I'm not going to say that because that's not what it is. So, do you know what? I just won't tell anyone. And what triggered it then? What sort of things would trigger? Oh, it could be anything. Um, some I could get jealous of somebody and that would like, like, I want what they have and I can't have it or I won't put myself in a position to have it. So that could trigger it. Um, rejection, whether it's in work or by someone doesn't say something that you like or it can be anything 
Um, but at that point, it wasn't as it wasn't the severe severe. So it was less so. It was maybe twice a month at that point. So it was more, yeah, it was more, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I get that? Why did they not notice me? Why did I not get picked for that job? Whether it was modeling or whether it was in work or why did they go out and they didn't invite me? Or It literally can be anything. Mm. And at the time, would you have considered yourself to be a positive person? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, yeah. It's it's just sad to hear someone being so hard on themselves. Um, it is, yeah. But when you're in it, you don't really you don't see it that way. You don't even think about it that way. Um, but not like it, it's like anything else. Like if you heard your friend talk, like you know, you hear that's so sad that you think that. But when you're on your own head, you don't talk to yourself in the same way. Yeah. Why am I speaking like this to myself? That's ridiculous. I wouldn't say that to my bestie. Why am I saying it to myself? Because you're so consumed with your own thoughts in your own head, you don't have the capacity to kind of logically even though it's a really simple thing. You logically can't think that way because emotion will always overrule logic. Always. So there was the overeating. Mm. And then was there the, the the starvation? Yeah, so that actually happened when I moved to Dubai. A couple of years into Dubai, that was when the starvation kind of, or restriction, we should call it, um, really kicked in. So that was a kind of a new dynamic. Um, and at that stage, like I... I knew, like, I knew I had a problem, right? But I wasn't actively doing too much about it. Because again, I, I always, I, I genuinely always thought I can fix this. Like, I can do it. I can do it. I've climbed mountains for Christ's sake. I can do this. Couldn't. And again, was that a relationship that triggered um, you not eating? Yes and no. Um like I say, it can be anything. Like I was yeah. doing it even when I was in the relationships and I was happy. So it's not always just kind of like relationship based or things like that. It can be like I say, it can be anything. You could be see somebody that you know doing well or like, like, like a lot of the time you can't say these things out loud. And sometimes it's your friends. You're like, God, they're doing really well and I'm so jealous and they have that and I don't have that. And you're like, what's like, why is this not working for me? Like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Why can't I be happy for somebody? This could be somebody you know. Sometimes it's really hard to say that out loud because you're like, why are you not happy for your friend? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, nothing's wrong with me. It's just, I'm dealing with my old things. I don't understand that. I'm envious because of something, a belief I have about myself from years that I, I, I couldn't compute. I didn't understand. And that's how it's manifesting. Of course, I'm happy for my friend, but I can't really verbalize that. Yeah. I, I remember one night we were out with friends and one of the lads had announced that they were pregnant, that his wife was pregnant again mm. with another child. And all the lads were like, hey, hey, and, you know, getting more pints from him and shots and big celebrations. And mm. I remember inside just feeling so nauseous and sick because we were years mm. trying for a child and we didn't know what was going wrong or why it wasn't happening for us and all that. Um, and I, I just felt so separated there and then mm. from what was a big celebration going on in front of me but inside um i was so deep with sadness mm. uh, and so many mixed emotions and yeah. guilt that i wasn't um 
internally feeling as happy for him as yeah. all my friends were, even yeah. though on the outside I was trying to yeah. be as as excited for him. Yeah, and it's it's it's, <clears throat> it's quite common, particularly you know in the last two years where I'm a lot more vocal in kind of what I think and people that I work with. You know, it's like. You know, when people like that, they're getting engaged or they get married or get pregnant and you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. And inside you're like, I'm actually not one bit happy for you at all. <laughs> like, because you're looking at your own life yeah, yeah. and you you are happy for them. Yeah. Like you are happy, like that. that's something that they want. But you're make you're you're kind of, you are making it about you and like, well, why, why can't I have that? Why is that not happening for me? Did I do something wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Like, 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 or even, why can't I feel happy? Like, that's terrible. Like, why should, like, I could never say that out loud because what do people think of me? Mm. But we all do it. Because you're, you're, you're not married, engaged, you don't have family. Mm. And so you would have seen a lot of friends, you know, that you grew up with over the years now have family in some of them. Yeah, like it's, um... Look, I've 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 been engaged before. I've been in long term relationships and all of that, and you know they didn't work out for different reasons. Um, and I think the older you get, you're kind of like, oh god, like another person getting engaged, woohoo! <laughs> you know, another person getting pregnant, and yay, and all that. And you're like, God, like what's going on in my life? Because when you look back, you're like, you, you just you you never assume your life is going to turn out that way. You know, you have like, you know, when particularly in your 20s, like, oh, I'll probably be married by them 30 and I'll yeah. buy a house and have kids and get a dog and that's life. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way for lots of different reasons. Um, and even now I'm like, oh, do I want to get married? Sometimes I don't know if I do. Do I want to have kids? Sometimes I don't know if I do. don't even know if I can have kids now. But it's it's my way of thinking has completely changed. Things that I thought I wanted. And in reality, I was like, actually, I wanted them for all the wrong reasons. Mm. At least you have the freedom. <laughs> you do have freedom. Uh, and look, we'll always want what other people have. Yeah, of you know? course we think, yeah, everyone's so, life is much better yeah. than what we have. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you see a, a version of it that people allow you to see. So you're in Dubai and you're doing recruitment. Mm. And you're obviously at a stage in your life where you're not happy. Mm. And then RTT. Mm. I have to look down at my notes again to get this right. Rapid transformational therapy came into your life mm. and just made a massive difference. Yeah. So I was I was in Saudi at that point. Um, and I'd went to Saudi just again. I was lost in life. I wanted to... I, I think I just maybe got a bit bored of Dubai, if that's possible. Um, but I was like, I just want to change. I, I want to go somewhere different. I just, I think my when I look back now, my strategy was always when something goes wrong, I'm going to move somewhere. I, I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to go to Canada. I wanted to go to Bali. I wanted to, all these things. And now when I look back, I was running away because I thought if I move somewhere, my life will be better. I'll run, I'll like, mm. I won't have this it's problem. It's a fresh start. Yeah. Well, in reality, that wasn't the case, obviously, but in my head it was. So I went to Saudi and that in itself was kind of new, which I'd never been to Saudi before. Like I was literally living in the desert. I had no idea really what I was walking into. Because um, you live in these camps, isn't it? Yeah. So you, well, typically you live in compounds. Compound, yeah, yeah. But where we were based, the, the organization I was working for, like you were literally in the middle of nowhere. We lived in port cabins. So we worked and lived in the same place. It was a very unique, amazing experience now when I look back. Um, it was just phenomenal, you know, you're, 
your boss is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like, you know, that's, it's insane. Um, and I was fine for the so kind of first... So you email him if you're looking for a pay rise? <laughs> definitely wouldn't be emailing him. Um, <laughs> and the first kind of few months were fine. Um, like dipping in and out of kind of everything. And then I got towards July and kind of leading up to that, I was kind of in a group like they used to call they used to call me mental duffy so nobody used to ever call me by my name it was us duff or duffy and i was just like i could come in one day and be like on top of the world i was like want to have a great day come on guys like oh, life is good like living our best lives yeah. and then the next day i'd be like don't look at me don't breathe in my direction and they're like gosh like what's going on you know and came towards july and things were good and then one day it was just like everything changed and I had planned to come home actually for a 10 break holiday and I remember walking, it was lunchtime and I remember walking back to work and sunglasses on because obviously it's sunny every day there and just tears like rolling down my, my face and I was walking into the office and there was kind of two offices parallel to each other and I came walking towards and there was a guy I knew who I was actually from from Ireland and he was like hi Duff how are you and I was like <laughs> couldn't even get any words out and I just started falling kind of like oh my god like what's wrong and I was like I need to go home and I was like I don't I, I can't book my flights because at the time it was kind of still in COVID mode and it wasn't just where we're based it wasn't just a simple jump on your flight and you go home it took like 36 hours to get home and like four flights and I just didn't I didn't even have the capacity to do something so easy, like easy to like just book flights. Couldn't do it. So he was like, oh my God, like he's like, he's like, come in pet, like like sit down here and brought me to his office and like, okay, where where do you need to go to? And he booked my flights. He booked and paid for my flights at, like right there and then. And I me messaged my boss, my immediate boss. And I was like, I need to, uh, I need to go home tomorrow. I was like, my head's not right. And he was like, go. Um, so I literally went home, packed my bags and like, didn't even tell any of my colleagues, like I was gone um, on a flight the next morning and got home and didn't even tell my parents. <laughs> Just arrived home and I messaged my brother and said, can somebody pick me up at the airport? And I got home and just absolutely went into hermit mode. There, like, I remember my mom, like she was messaging my siblings at the time and uh, she didn't say it to me, obviously, but like, like what's going, like what's happened to Linda? Like she's up in her room. She won't like, she like what's going on? Has something happened inside? Like has something happened that we don't know about? And they're like, like not a clue. Like don't, don't know. Um, and of course I would never like, I don't like when I get into that mode, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Just leave me alone. I want to be on my own. And I knew it was a massive problem when I didn't interact with my dog. I love my dog. Like he is my bestie. And I spent no time with him. Didn't contact my friends, nothing. And I remember calling my boss then and I said, if I come back to work, I'm going to resign. I was like, but I, I, I don't want to resign. I, I want to come back. I was like, I need like some more time. I don't really, I can't understand really what's going on. I just know I'm not right. And he was like, 100%. Um, he was like, take your time. We'll figure something out. He goes, just get your head right, whatever. And even that in itself, it was like a huge weight off my shoulders that I didn't have the pressure of kind of, knowing that I'm going back somewhere that like probably in a week's time I'm going to say like I'm not even doing my notice I'm I'm leaving um so I spent about six weeks at home and that was a mix of kind of uh, maybe a week 
maybe a bit longer, kind of just saying, okay, I need to like, I need to like go downstairs. I need to interact. I need to meet my friends. I need to, I need to get back to work. Like I, I was working from home. I need to like continue on my job. I can't just like tools down. Um, and even like my friends and my colleagues in Saudi, they're like, are you coming back? Or like, what's going on? Like, or and I wasn't even messaging them back. They're like, like, and then the rumors start like, oh, like, you know, yeah, we saw her leaving with her like suitcases and she's left and all these kind of things going on. And then I just got to a place like, right, I need to, like, something has to change. And I had got into the point at that stage of like massive restriction. So I was going like up, like the longest I've ever gone is 15 days with no food. And that's like not normal. Like we know that, right? And, but again, that was me when I felt I had lost control of everything in my life, in my head. I was like, I need to know that I'm mentally okay. Like, and, and that was my way of like showing myself that like, no, I, I'm still meant headstrong. That was my way, which is obviously a ridiculous way, but like, that was my way of proving to myself that no, like I, I'm still a strong person. Like I can still do things, you know, I haven't completely lost control. And I messaged my boss, literally saying, I'm coming back to work on Sunday, or working week was Sunday to Thursday. So I messaged him on the Friday saying, I'll be in Delphus on Sunday. And he was like, okay, you know, and I went back and went back to work and that was all fine. Everyone was like, oh my God, like you're about like, we like what's been going on? Yeah. So I kind of dipped into telling a little bit about what was going on. Like it was obvious that like something's not right here, you know, um, and my boss was very much aware of kind of what was going on in my life and all of that kind of thing. But again, I was kind of like, please don't tell anyone. And he was very respectful of that. He didn't, you know, he gave me the space and somebody asked Linda, well, she's taking a bit of time off and that's it. Get on with your job, you know? Mm. Um, so I was like, when I went back, I was like, right, like, so what, like, what do I need to do? How do I, like, how do I fix this? And I, like, I'd been through therapy. Like I started, like my, I think my first therapy was when I was like 21. I've done, I've been dipping in and out of it and talk therapy and all the rest, like, and I've done it. Um, and I remember the year before I started RTT, before I actually went through the session as myself, I spent just shy of 7,000 euro on therapy, self-development, which is a lot of money. Yeah. That's how desperate I was. I was like, I, I don't care. I, I, so I don't care anymore. You clearly were trying. I was, I was, I was trying, but again, I was, I was quite naive in terms of, I just thought, I thought all therapy was the same. I didn't know the difference between psychologists, you know, a psychotherapist. Uh, I just, I just didn't know. I thought it was all the same. You go talk to someone, tell them how you feel, and that's it. And then, through that journey of self development, someone recommended. Somebody said to me, like, like they kind of said, like, you're never going to get right if you don't fix what's going on. And they recommended RTT. I'd never heard of it, so I kind of like, as you do, you on YouTube and you read about mm -hmm. it. And I was like, this is a bit different. I've never kind of tried this before, and. I contacted a few therapists and spoke to three. And then the last person was like, okay, this is, this is the person I'm going to work with. And we had that conversation and she kind of explained to me what it was. And she explained, you know, the first thing was obviously like, well, what, like, what are you coming to me for? And I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have an unhealthy relationship. I don't want, I'm sick of the binging. I'm sick of the restriction. And I'm sick of not being able to go places because I've had a binge and then I have to lie to people saying, oh, I can't go because I'm not feeling well or if something else on. I was like, I'm tired of going to events where I'm like, I'm looking at food going, 
oh my God, it's Christmas, you can eat what you want. And like, I can't eat anything here because I'm having a good day. And like all of this, I have something coming up. So I have to starve myself now for this event to look nice and all this kind of jazz. And I was like, I'm just, I just want to be normal. <laughs> I want to have a slice of cake and just a, a, a piece of cake and just have a piece of cake and not be going home going, right, well, I'm going to stop shopping at home and buy a cake and buy crisps and buy chocolates and over consume. And that's where it all started and I had my first session on the 12th of December and that's where everything changed. I'll never forget, like I remember um, the day after going down for um, breakfast. So I, when I was inside the, the place was um, all your foods provided. So it's buffet every single day, like like going on an all-inclusive holiday, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, you have desserts, teas, coffee, anything you want, it's there. And that's for someone with disordered eating, that's really challenging every single day having that. Like it's super challenging. Um, and I remember going down the next day and walking past the desserts and I was like, just looking at that cup of water, I was like, I have no, like there's just no feeling towards it. I didn't want it. I did not want it. I was just like, what, like what's, hap what's happening? I'm glad we're videoing this because in the last 10 minutes of you telling your story, mm. That's the first time you smiled oh. when you mentioned the 12th <laughs> really? of December. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you, you, you don't forget those things like that. Like, I'll, I'll not get emotional. But you, your life changes and it's like unreal. <laughs> yeah. So this is one session of RTT. One session. And I think, I think the difference was, it was kind of understand, like you, you have, when you go into this kind of thing, you have to be like, I have to tell this person everything. And she was the person that I told everything to. And she'll be the only person that I tell everything to, mm. for sure. If I live to 110, she'll still be the only person that knows everything. And was it, was the discussion, if you don't mind me asking, was it just mainly around food or was it just a waft of things? It's, so with, so with RTT, and this is how it differs, it's not, you're not, you're not treating the binging, you're not treating the alcoholism, you're not treating the drug addiction, you're not treating whatever it is. You're treating like, what's the source? Like what causes you to do this? What like what made you think that you weren't good enough? Like what made you think that you're not, you have to be the prettiest or the skinniest or the tallest or the best looking or you have to have the best job or the best title or if someone rejects you, you go into spirals. So what if they reject you? No one's ever going to like, like not everybody's ever going to like you. That's it's impossible. Like what, but what causes you to think that way in the first place? And that's why it's, you have to get to the root. If you don't understand why you're doing it, how are you going to fix it? It's like walking into a mechanic, something wrong with my car, and like, or let's just change the engine. But I have a flat tire. <laughs> mm. The car's not going to drive if you have a flat tire and you're changing the engine. You have to understand, like, why? Why do you think this way? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's amazing, though, that you know something that's been a journey for decades. Mm. That in one session, I know. And if if I hadn't have gone through it, like, if you were telling me this, I'd be like whatever <laughs> like for like that's not possible what's he talking about or whatever no but because I have like I, I've seen firsthand how it works and I was from that like instantly like I, I I always knew I wanted to work with people I just didn't know in what way and I think because I grew up with the the modeling the misarrangement that kind of thing I'm like why don't you go into events why don't you get a marketing why don't you go into PR or, and even actually people did suggest why don't you do psychology and I was like no like no, it's just not, no, I don't have like a love for it and I'm not willing to go back to college to study for it. But when I finished that, I was like, this is, this is what I meant to do. And within a month I had signed up to, to start training as a therapist. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. 
But if I hadn't, if I hadn't spent all that money and if I hadn't that one person telling me that thing, would I be in the same position now? Yeah, most likely. So 12th of December, 2022, mm. you had your first and only. Or 2020, you, 21. Tw- December 20. So, and then you stayed on in Dubai then for another so, year. So it's in Saudi, so I stayed on. So I signed up to the course and I was like, right, so I want, what, what was good about about staying in Saudi is because it's where we were based, there's not a whole lot you can do. Like there's no restaurants, there's no coffee shops, there's no shopping malls. Like it's just you really. If you want to do something, you jump on a flight to Dubai or Riyadh or whatever. And I was like, this is the perfect place for me to kind of study. I'll have no distractions, nothing. So I spent full year, like every weekend, my the working week is Sunday to Thursday. So Fridays was my, my study day. And it was just the perfect place for me to kind of like have my full-time job, bank up my salary and kind of like get like, you know, savings and then towards the end of the year when I qualified I was like right and that's when it kind of really hits you're like okay I've done this now so what happens now and I remember having that conversation with my boss and he was like do you want to do it and I was like yeah like I I do like I I just I just love it I used to love studying like and I like I hated school I hated all academics for the most part and then I just love my Fridays like studying and doing my exams and all that and we kind of talked about well how how is that going to work with work and I was like maybe I could do it on the side or like how will we figure this out and kind of as when I thought about it I was like it's just not going to work because my job over there was quite like it was full on you know it's just I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do to be where I want to go with this so I made the decision no like I'm gonna I'm gonna resign and I'm gonna give this a go and I need to do that from Ireland to kind of maybe utilize the next works that I have here. So yeah, I'm 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 off and I flew home on New Year's or Christmas Eve with kind of a I'd I'd made my plan, I'd made my business plan, I knew how many clients I needed to have per month and how much money I wanted to make more per month and planned out what like what's I gonna call myself, how do I set up a business account like everything I had. I had it all planned and before I remember um, an ex-boss of mine actually who I'm very good friend he's one of my best friends and when I done it he's like oh my god you you actually followed through on something because like over the years I was like I want to be this I want to be that I want to do this and he was like wow like you've actually this is what you're meant to do you've actually followed through on it you know Brilliant mm, Yeah and What was that like then coming back to coming back home mm. 10 years later but you know, it's, it might even feel longer, like Galway, your hometown, might, did it feel so different? Because you were a different person now. I think the environment hasn't changed. I, I've changed for sure. Um, not, nothing has really changed that much. No. Um, I think it was probably a bit of a novelty at the start of being home. Like I was, Different environment, different country, back spending time with family, friends, um, a new job working for myself, you know, don't have my guaranteed monthly income in every in every month. Um, so that was kind of exciting at the start. Um, and I love like I love what I do. But you soon find out that like, oh, like I am my my it's a one man band here. I have to do my own marketing. I have to do my own PR. I have to rely on myself to get clients. I have to rely on myself to make my own. I don't have somebody paying me every month. I don't have like a team of people to fall back on if things aren't going well. Like it's it's all on you. You create your own content. You're on LinkedIn. You're, you do everything yourself and that's consuming. 
that's overwhelming actually. Um, and there was definitely like, thankfully I was somebody that never kind of really suffered with anxiety, but I definitely learned what anxiety was when you'd be starting a month going, oh my God, like waking up and like, like how many clients am I going to have? Like how much money am I going to make? Like where, how are they going to find me? You know, and that, that was a new experience. But again, I had about two months of that and then I was like, oh, like just, you're fine. You know, like, so what? If you don't get as many clients as you want this month, so what? You'll get them next month or the month after. You're new. I'm only doing it since February. Mm. You know, but you have, I think I set quite high targets for myself, particularly from a financial point of view. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing this for fun either. Like, this is my job. This is how I earn a living. And I had set quite hard targets for myself because I've, I've been in the Middle East. So you're used to a certain amount of money. Yeah. So to kind of drop back from that and also pay tax on that, yes. you have to have. But you don't in the Middle East. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to, I, I set quite high expectations for myself. You come home and you map out how many clients you need to get a certain monthly turnover. Mm-hmm. But I was asking you before we started. <laughs> how many sessions on average does a client mm. have with you? Yeah. And you said one. Mm-hmm. So even that is mind blowing that uh, it's so effective, mm. this therapy, but also it's, you know, from a business point of view and a business model, it's uh, you obviously need to gather a lot more clients because mm. it's not that you have that kind of retainership yeah. going on. Yeah. But the success of this is really, it's just mind blown for me. So can you tell us, look, break down what is RTT? Mm. So RTT is a mix of CBT. Which is? um, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, NLP, which is Neurolinguistic Programming, which is in simple terms, just rewiring your kind of thoughts and hypnotherapy. So everybody's familiar with hypnotherapy and, and probably more from an entertainment point of view. You know, your Keith Barry's and what you see yeah. in movies and that's definitely not what I do. I actually don't even know how they do what they do. Um, but for for from a kind of a clinical or kind of a therapy point of view, it's just really getting you into a relaxed state. So we actually go into hypnosis twice a day. Like when you fall asleep, you're actually in a natural hypnosis state. If you notice around babies when they, when they start to fall asleep, their eyes roll back into their head. That's natural hypnosis. And that's really what it is. It's just a very relaxed state. But when you're more relaxed, you're more aware. When you're more aware, you're more suggestible. And when you're more suggestible, we we can change the thoughts that you have about yourself. But to change the thoughts, again, you have to understand why you even thinking like this in the first place. And nine times out of 10 with my, my, my clients, you know, from personal experience, it all goes back to childhood experiences, whether that's with family, um, teachers, anything, coach, sports, anything, right? You pick up, you form that belief from then and that carries into adult life. And again, it's like, it's a very simple thing, but like it's, it's massive, you know, and trauma can be anything from serious car accidents, serious illness to, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one example. So someone that I was working with, um, they used to play tennis and when they were seven years old, they were on, probably say like a little overweight, but probably not like clearly obese and their tenant, they fell over and their tennis teacher said to them, oh God, like I can't believe you didn't make a bigger dent in the in the, the ground. And that girl became anorexic. Now, first of all, at seven, who says that to a seven-year-old? But like at seven years old, she knew I like, I'm not good. So I have to get skinny. She's now in her thirties. Hmm. What are those formative years? What's the age generally? Well, they say that, that we form our, all our beliefs before the age of seven. Before seven? Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you particularly if you grow up in what we call, let's say, a happy home, whatever that means, means different things to different people, but there will be things that happen in adult life that, you know, form a different belief and that kind of can kind of manifest into your adult life years with most people that I work with, with the exception of I think maybe two, everything has been from childhood. Yeah, because I, even I was listening to a podcast recently with Richard Hogan uh, and Sheila Shoga, and he was saying, you know, when we label. I listened to that. Yeah, when we label children um, that they carry through, because we always say that our four-year-old is just wild and mm. nuts. But I can see you're now living up to that label, oh, yeah. which is scary how yeah. you say something and how it's just taken on board straight away mm. and acted upon. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we're aware at all, really, of what we're saying most of the time. No, and, and but equally, like, you don't, you can't be in this bubble of like, oh, God, like, I can't say that in front of my kids because they'll think that. Like, you can't live in that world either. But you just have to be more aware of what you're saying. Like, particularly when you you have that kind of good girl, good boy syndrome, you know, oh, look, you're such a good girl. You, you know, you ate all your dinner or you're such a good girl. Like, you came first in your class or you're such a good girl and all this and that. What does that mean? What means I have to be the best at everything to be the good girl because that's how I get my affection. That When you're a child, that's like, well, mommy loves me or daddy loves me because I was the best at this. Mm. So that's how perfectionism starts sometimes. Or you'll have somebody who is the black sheep in the family or the kind of, is does things differently or like the wild one or whatever it is. Well, uh, only when I'm wild and I'm doing something that's kind of not good, that's how I get my attention. Even if it's like kind of negative attention, I'm still getting attention. Yeah, because you see, one can become a parent, but they're not actually. Mm. You don't go to school or to college and learn how to be a no. parent. You're working off natural instincts. instincts. It can be, inter you know, what you've learned from your parents and grandparents. Exactly. You know, whereas if you're a teacher, you're taught how to teach. Maybe that coach... Um, didn't actually learn in life how to. Yeah, there's definitely generational trauma, yeah. you know, and that's that's like, you know, a negative thing. If you grew up in a home where you weren't taught what you know what affection looks like, you weren't taught what love looks like, you weren't taught what safety looks like, you know, if you if you don't understand what that looks like for you, you of course, if you have kids, you're going to pass some of that down. So a lot, again, like a lot of people have generational trauma, but they're 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 breaking it. And that's the good thing about it. They're actually doing something about it. Mm. But there's plenty of people who live their whole life and they'll never, like they just don't either want to change or they can't change or, you know, they decide that's just who I am. And that's, you know, well, that's who I, that's my identity. Because really we're constantly changing. Well, we should be. Yeah. Like the lo the longest relationship you will have is the relationship with yourself. Yeah, you said that to me one day. I and did. I you asked yeah. me about something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's true. Like we're we're in our heads more than it. Like only us knows our thoughts. Mm. Only I know what I think about at nighttime when I go into bed or when I'm out my walk and I'm daydreaming. Like only I know that. You only know what you think about. I work with lots of people who their partners, husbands, wives don't even know they're in therapy. Not to mind that they have the issue that they have. Because we live in this world of fear of rejection and I can't really tell people what I'm really thinking because I think there's something wrong with me. That's the problem. We're all actually really, really similar. Like, I wish I could introduce all my clients to everybody. We're like, oh my God, I think like that. Oh, I do that. Like, yeah. oh my God, you grew up in that. I had that. Or I was sexually abused and I, I was physically abused and we're all quite similar, you know. So what are the sort of 
scenarios that you're faced with from people doing RTT with you? Um, so I suppose I'll pick the worst ones. Um, so probably, probably the worst one I've had personally was somebody who was really physically abused by their dad, where they were, their head was hitting against the car window for something really, really minor, like little things that you're like, like, why would you even do that? Um, they were burnt by an iron on their hands for no reason. Their other parent viewed it and didn't do anything to step in. They were told they were stupid every single day. So they constantly grew up in like fear. They had no idea what love was, no concept. And I remember after the session, I I messaged her, which I do, I messaged everybody like the day after to see how you're feeling after yesterday. And then a couple of days later, I'll check in again. And I messaged her and I was like, how are you feeling today? And she was like, I've just been in the garage for the last hour hitting a, a car, they had, she had a car, I don't know, was it a box or something? And she goes, I've just been hitting it and crying like <sighs> profusely. And I was like, why, why are we doing that? So I'll, I'll always know the answer, typically myself, but I'll ask them like, why do you think you were doing that? And she was like, it's the first time I was actually safe to show my emotions because before you'd get the, you'd get beaten for it. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. You can do what you, you're an adult now because we live, we live in our, we call it the inner child. And that inner child comes into your adulthood. But you're not seven, eight years old anymore. You're 30 something, you're 40. You can show your emotions. You're not going to get beaten up. And I know it sounds really simple, logically. Yeah, it's powerful. But that's, that's reality. Same way with me. I'm like, I'm not a seven year old. I don't, I'm not in certain environments anymore. I don't have to behave that way. I'm an adult. I make my own money. I have my own job. I have my own home. I have my own life. Don't start acting like it. Act as an adult. But I was still in my childish behaviour and like, you know, you can, sometimes you can't say that out loud, but mm -hmm. short of getting on the ground and throwing a tantrum, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to act it out. So I would have been like, a lot of times I was like ch childish. Even in work, I was like, I'm not doing that. That's your job. I'm not doing it. As an adult, like that's, that's kind of embarrassing when you say it out loud, but that's reality. Do we have to just accept the trauma that we've had in life and that it's more about focusing on just the aftermath of it and how we work with it or deal with it? It, it, it depends on the situation. I think um, sometimes you have to accept it and sometimes you have to stop blaming other people. You know, for example, let's say kind of from a parental point of view, your parents were done this or done that or you had a dysfunction or whatever you have to accept that I can't constantly be blaming them for this they had their own trauma but unfortunately that carried through in, in their life and they projected that down onto our, onto us or me or whoever it is you know I can't, I can't blame them for everything I'm a now an adult I don't have to behave this way I'm choosing to behave this way but where the RTT in particular is very good is it's like you have to understand why, like why you have those thoughts. Why are you acting out that way? Mm. If you don't understand it, you're not, you're going to behave the same way for the rest of your life. You know, it's like, I'll just use eating disorders as a you know, generic one, but like, it's never about the food. It's not about going on diets. It's not about going to the gym and all that kind of stuff. When it's, when it's trauma related, you will always be that person if you don't heal. Why you understand? Why, why are you eating your feelings? 
Why are you drinking your feelings? Why are you shopping your feelings? Why are you sexing your feelings? Why are you gambling? Whatever it is, all right? You have to actually allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling instead of pushing it down because when you push it down, it's going to come up a lot worse. And that's where I, like, I just, I had got to the point where even when I was happy, I was celebrating with a binge. I, I, I didn't even know how to feel happy. Okay, and that's, we- yeah. that's weird, right? Yeah. Most people are like, why are you doing it if you're happy? I, I don't know. <laughs> just got to this point. But then again, even if people have a great thing in their life happen, it's often celebrated with alcohol. Yeah. Like even um, I was having a conversation with someone the last day, we were talking about homelessness. Um, and like, I don't know if you were the same, but like definitely in my case, you grew up with like, don't give them money now because they'll only go and buy a drink. Yeah. And I'm thinking now I'm thinking, well, what do we do when we have a bad day or we're pissed off about something? Yeah, you, you go to the pub and you drink it or you, you do coke or you do something. Yeah. And that's your way of escaping reality. So why are we judging them just because they're homeless? No, you don't know anything about their life. You just see, you see, but you don't know, no idea what's going on in their life. So you have people coming to you with like eating disorders. So eating disorders, alcohol. depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, stress, alcoholism. Lots of different things. And what if someone said, look, going back to your story where you just, you didn't want to wake up. Mm. So what if it's people saying, look, I, I don't think I'm depressed, mm. but I just don't want to wake up and I don't know what's causing that. Mm. Is that something, like if they literally have no answers, no suggestions, is that still something that you can yeah. work? Yeah, that's okay. quite common. <laughs> okay. Even, even in my own case, if like my own therapist said, it goes, do you know what's causing it? And I was like, yes, 100%. I'll give you my life savings. I know. But it was only a small part of it. Mm. Because you're going back into your subconscious, which is your conscious is your your memory vault. You know, it, it remembers everything, everything that's said, you've seen, you've done. It's all up there. And does it remember accurately? Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's, there's a certain format that we follow in this particular therapy. Well, I'll, I'll, I, you almost become into like a detective. I, I'll probe you. I'll probe and probe and probe. Before we even do the session, you'll fill out a form. So I have an idea of their background. But even when we're in their background, something completely different might come up in the session. And even them themselves will say, I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't even know why that, like, I completely forgot that. Yeah. And and even myself, like, you know, I've, I've, I've been in that situation. I was like, what, like, why, why is this coming up? Why is it relevant? It's coming up for a reason. And that's my job to, to link them together for you. And then you're like, oh. So just... They should just let it flow during the session. Yeah, you have to. You have to be going into it open, honest. You have to trust the therapist. You have to be willing, like I say, you have to be willing to tell them everything, no matter how embarrassing you think or how wrong it is or how messed up it is. That's what you need to be telling. That's what you need to be talking about because that's where the healing is. You've probably heard so many things at this stage. That yeah, that's just not much I'm surprised with anymore. Yeah. Like... I think what's 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 sad is luckily I'm I'm in a place where I very much separate and we're talking about this earlier work mm. from from me, you know, so when I'm in a session, I'm in work mode. And it's when I'm reading forms and people before the session and I hear the words that they say to themselves, it's just like, oh, like this is so it's just so sad. Like I wish I could, like I just want to go <laughs> drive to you and tell you you're not that like people like say like. I'm a piece of SH1T. I'm disgusting. I'm vile. I, like nobody should like me. I'm disgusting. And they, they're not saying it for attention. They're saying it because they mean it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you're like, gosh, like it's 
it's not your fault. Like different things that happen, it's not it's not your fault. Particularly with things like with around your parents, because they're the people like that you're meant to trust the most and love. They're the people that show you kind of what love is. And if that's not healthy, then you don't have a healthy perception of love or safety or protection or whatever that thing is. How could you? And again, as you were saying, people could grow up in, you know, in inverted commas, a happy family. Um, but, it, you know, there's other issues that they could face like, in life. Uh, like when, just... I, when I, like when, even on the consultation call, I'll always try and get an idea, like what's going on in someone's life. And I was like, well, what's your upbringing? Right? And particularly in Ireland, it's like, yeah, grand. <laughs> okay, well, what's, what's grand to you? And they'll say, well, yeah, the X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, right. And I'd, you never put words in somebody's mouth. You'll kind of guide them a little way and stuff like that. And I'll I'll say like, do you know what? Tell you what, like fill out this form first and we'll see kind of what comes out with that. And then I'll get a message going, oh my God, I think I've wrote too much. And they'll like all of a sudden Grant turns into, well, this happened or my parents done this or my siblings done this or my teacher done this or my neighbour done this. Or, and you're like, is that still Grant? You know, but again, until you have somebody probing you on those questions and what's normal to you is not normal to me. Or maybe it's the same. Who knows? And that's one thing I've definitely learned is like normal is different things for different people, whether that's home life, relationships, work, whatever. Just because you think it's normal doesn't mean say I think it's normal or I want to think it's normal or accept that it's normal. And what's great is you're doing these sessions virtually online. Mm -hmm. So, you know, wherever someone is listening to this podcast it's not mm. that they have to get on an airplane or get in a car no come to Galway. And, and it's it's great in that like you'll get it you will get people are like oh like you know how can it work online i done my therapy when i was online yeah but what i really what really hit home with me when i was talking to you about it was when someone is doing the session with you they're in their own safe space mm. you know generally speaking you know they're at home yeah. you know when it finishes they don't have that awkward thing where they Go out into uh, a yeah. lobby and someone might see, see them. You're like, cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's and wrong? then they have to walk out into the street and they might bump yeah. into some. Oh, yeah. can, it's mm. all, yeah. they can literally just sit there and be in the room that they're in. And when they're ready to leave and go out into the world, then they, yeah. and I think, yeah. you know, for the intensity of therapy like that, I think that's so much yeah, better. Yeah, because because it's a two hour session, it's, it's full on as well. Like you're going to be drained after like, e like even I, like I'm, t like I'll do no more than two sessions a day because it's, I, I have to be super focused because the one one little world world one little word can make such a difference, yeah. and I have to be kind of like really vigilant to like what they're saying. Like those times, and because it is on screen, when somebody's telling me a story, like my my camera's off, so I need to see them, but they don't necessarily have to see me. I'll be sitting there like this, going, "Oh my god," because I feel like I'm watching a movie, and they're telling me I'm so engrossed in like God that like their life and what they've been through, that like you're you. It's tiring for everybody, but the fact that you're like, I've people doing it in their pajamas, like, and I don't, you could be lying on the floor. I don't care as long as you're comfortable, you know, mm. but you have that element of like, I'm really it's tired after this and I'm going to have a shower and I'm going to have a cup of tea and I'm just going to go to bed, you know, rather than I have to get in the car now and I just have to stop now and done to get this yeah. or like, oh, I've got to get this. Like, no. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, it's interesting though that your, your camera's off because I think sometimes when you're having a heart to heart discussion with someone, you're looking at, you know, if I'm having a heart to heart with you, mm. while I'm telling you my story, I'm reading your body language to see the way you react. Oh, yeah. So therefore, I might pull back on where I was going to go or I yeah. throw in a joke instead yeah. or def yeah. whereas I think it's pro probably more productive for them not to be 
worrying about your reaction yeah. or body language. And, and equally, it's it's like their eyes are always closed. So your eyes are going to be closed for all of the sessions. So it's not even that. It's just um, sometimes, you know, every now and again, you'll kind of see them going like this to check if you're there, you know. <laughs> so it's it's more for them so that right. like my camera's off. So y- you have no need to open your eyes. You know, if you want to open your eyes and you want to go to the bathroom, whatever, fine, mm. that's OK. And if you feel uncomfortable and we stop, that's OK, too. But it's more just for distraction level. But yeah, like exactly what you said, if you're telling someone someone and, and if you say something to me and I go like this, <laughs> that means, you know, <laughs> oh crap, like should I not tell her anymore yeah, or, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and equally you have to be comfortable around the person. Like if you're, you have to be vulnerable around people. Like I, I, I'm, and we, we spoke about this a bit earlier, like I'm not comfortable talking about my own trauma. I'm happy to discuss the symptoms, you know, they're not feeling good enough and the eating disorder and all of that. But I'm not comfortable talking about the trauma because it doesn't always just affect me and those people that still don't know any of it. Like I said, my therapist is the only one that knows and I have no interest in talking about it. But you have to, you have to trust your therapist. You have to be willing to be open with them. You have to be willing to go there and just be, yeah, like just... This is it. Like you have, this is your chance to change things. You take it or you don't take it. If you don't take it, then you have to accept who you are and how that's going to be. So if you drink or you have anxiety all the time or you smoke or you want to lose weight or whatever, you have imposter syndrome or this perfectionism, whatever it is. Okay, but if you don't want to change that, then you have to accept that this is who you are. See, I'd be afraid that I'd be coming to you with like eight or ten things. <laughs> but you have to be open. Like, so I was like, do I need ten sessions? Yeah, <laughs> no, and it's it's a common it's a common fear. Even myself, like I was like, but I, I'm I'm Linda who has an eating problem in my own head. I was like, that's just who I am. Like, what happens after that? Like, who who am I after that? And there's part of, and this is going to sound bananas altogether, but there's a part of a therapy where you physically ask that part of you to leave. So in my case, it was asking the part of me that has disordered eating to leave, and I remember. First of all, that's why I. First of all, I'm, that's why I'm in the session. That's what I want gone. But I, I couldn't say it because I was like, "Who do I become? Like, this is this is my cope. Like, who am I? After? Like, what's going to replace it? Is there going to replace it something worse? Like, that's just who I am." And, and for about two minutes, which is a long time when you're in therapy, like I just I couldn't say the words. I, I couldn't physically ask it to leave because that was my thing. That was who I was. That was my identity to me personally. And again, like some, when you say that to people are like, well, why would, that's why you're there in the first place. But like, you, again, it's, it's your thoughts. This is who I am. This is who I'll always be. And it can be like the, the, the biggest thing that the people don't understand is that you control everything that you do. They will place blame on other things. Oh, I had to, I had to eat that because like, oh, that person, you know put me in a bad mood or oh, I'm like that because that person did this or I had a hard day so I'm going to have a drink or I'm going to you know overconsume on this or like okay well who's who's going to the shop with you to buy all that junk food is there somebody there physically saying this is your trolley and here you shove that in your face you go to the off license and there's somebody there with you buying all that stuff if you're self-sabotaging who's doing that mm. you are but we don't realise how much power we have because we give it away to other people, whether that's people that has caused us trauma or we have fear of, rege- you know, you want to set up your own Instagram or whatever it is and you're like, oh, I can't do that, I look like a pleb or I'm not going to get any likes or half those people wouldn't even turn up to your funeral. But they're the people you're worrying about. They don't they might give three seconds thought to like whatever. Yeah. Come on. 
speaking of Instagram, like I, like I have to say the the content you're putting up, I think it's so so good. Thank you. Um, so. Linda is on Instagram. She's also on Facebook. You're probably on LinkedIn as well, I'd say. Mm. Uh, yeah. And she, she has her website as well, lindaduffy.ie. But just even just to, you know, I used to love when I was young, mom and dad have a calendar at home and there was always a little quote or tip of the day or something like that. And you, you, you tear off the previous day and you get your tip for the day or whatever, mm. your little nugget of wisdom. And I used to love them. And I love getting them on your feed that you know on your stories on instagram there's just a great moment of reflection or you know just something to take with you moving into the day mm. um but like there's so much good advice you're putting out there uh, online yeah i mean i'd like to think so um and you have you have to kind of when you're doing things like that, you have to kind of think, well, what what do people want to see as opposed to what do I want to put out? They're two very different things because at the end of the day, I'm a service-based Instagram page, you know. Um, so I was like, well, what's helpful to people? Like, what do they want to read? How is this going to educate somebody? As opposed to, well, what looks nice or like, what what am I interested in? It's not, it's not about me. It's about like other people, essentially. Um, and that takes time. You know, it's not just a case of, oh, today I'm going to talk about alcohol. Like I, I pre-plan like a week in advance. So my Fridays typically is uh, morning time is review calls and the afternoon is typically my creating my content for the next week. And that, it, you know what it's like, that it takes time. It just yeah. doesn't come naturally a lot of the time. You have to kind of think about what do I want to say? What's the message? Like, how do I make it? And I, I'm not too wordy. I'm not like... Uh, I don't like big words myself. I like to just make it like just tell me. Well, you, it's, it's, you're you're doing rapid transformational therapy with <laughs> the neurons and all those other little mm. acronyms. Okay, but again, because I've learned it, and that's you know what it is. But like, I like things simple. I, I don't want big words. I want like just tell me how it is, and the, I'm, I'm quite direct in how I approach things. And this is how you're going to do it, and this is the language I'm going to like have like in my set like a lot of the time we're cursing like we're like screw this or like mm. and it's it's because it's it's what works it's like you have to be natural you have to be let's just be raw and honest because that's what we need to do so what have you learned in business in the last year between operating it and trying to multitask and market and get clients i suppose a few things like i said before you are you there's no no machine behind you. You have to, if you want to make this work, it's you that has to do it. You have to get over the fear of putting yourself out there. Even like last uh, last Monday, I, I I like and as a therapist, like I'm still human. We're still human, even though we have the knowledge to know what things are. Like you, you still wake up feeling like last Sunday. Monday, I woke up feeling really sad, and I was like, why? Like why am I feeling like why am I feeling sad? And there was probably one thing that I was kind of justifying it, and I was like, but it's not enough for me to really be in this mood. And I got up and I kind of went to my laptop and thankfully I had no clients in the morning. And again, I made a cup of coffee. I was like, oh God, or whatever. And I was, again, I, I, was, I was like, come on, like practice what you preach here. I, I'm controlling my thoughts. You don't have enough to be feel sad about. That's not a big enough, really. It's not a big enough thing. Come on. And I had been putting off about, about 15 emails, maybe actually maybe 14 or 15 emails for, again, for me, it was like, Oh God, like they're going to read that and going, who does she think she is? Oh, she's back now and she thinks she's amazing at this. Or, And I was like, nah, screw it. And I, and I banged out all those emails in one morning. Because I was just like, I don't, like, so what if they reject me? 
you know so again like again it's you have to kind of you're going to always have challenges in life and you have to like just be like right screw it get over it send whether it's sending out those emails or it's what telling someone you fancy them or whatever it is like you have to just get over it mm. you know and it's that's so that's one thing that like you do have to push yourself to while it's great and all to have targets sometimes you're not going to hit them and if you don't hit them you don't hit them maybe you should have been doing more or maybe you've done all you could that month success like there's two parts of having a business one is financial you know but two there's a success element from a client aspect i have to be like i need this person to have success because that's what i that's what they're paying me for right so how do i give them the best service you know you're fully like when like when i go into a session i'm like you're the best therapist ever i tell myself that sounds a bit mad but like i do yeah I tell them that you're, you're going to change this person's life. This is your job. This is what they are paying you for. You have to give them the same thing you got. So again, you psych yourself up for that. Um, I've learned that some of your biggest supporters will be strangers or people that you're not typically good friends with. You're going to lose people along the way because you've changed and they haven't changed. Yeah, and I don't think people get it as well if they're not in business themselves, how it's so important to have our community champion for us. Oh, you like, especially local, like to have people locally, like to support. And when I mean local, I mean people that are, you know, closer, like even like us, like we, you know, we don't know each other that well, but we've, you know, crossed, crossed. Say that now, Linda. (laughs) Back in the day, my (laughs) girlfriend and boyfriend, um, we've crossed paths a few times and we've had, you know, one or two coffees and like, you know, you just, you know, you, you know, you're comfortable around people and you can talk about different things. Um, and you kind of just have to accept that, like, not everybody's going to view things the same way that you do, you know, and success. That's another thing. Success is different things to different people, right? Mm, you, you can't be, oh, Christ, I only got like a thousand views on that and someone else got like, you know, 10,000. Maybe they have a different audience. Maybe they're doing it longer than you have. Maybe they're paying for boosting their whatever they're doing. Focus on you. Mm. And everybody has a different timeline in terms of their success journeys. Even with my clients, I say to them, you know, when they first have their call, everyone has a different journey. You might have overnight success. For example, like when I'd done my session on binging, I stopped overnight, but I'd booked two sessions because my therapist had said, you're probably going to need two. So I was like, yep, grant, if you told me I'd need 10, I would have paid for them anyways. So my second one was on self-esteem. And that was that wasn't an overnight success. That was about a good two and a half months to get to a point where I was like, I'm fine the way I am. I don't need validation from other people. If someone says no to me, that's okay. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. That took a little bit longer. And I, I was like after sitting on like, why is why is it not happening? Why is it not clicking as quickly? Like, is it just again, is it like, is it just I can't come away from this or I'm just too deep rooted and all this? And I'm like, no, it just took a little bit more time for you, that's all. But be persistent. Um, you have to give it time. You will, like like I said before, like those days where I'm like, oh my God, how, am I, like, how many clients am I going to get this month? Am I going to make any money this month? Or yeah. You have to get over that because it's not, sometimes it's just not instant success. You have to be willing to put yourself, you have to contact the papers. You have to contact people like you. You have to put yourself out there because how else are they going to know who you are? And I think, from my perspective, you've grown quite quickly online. 
I don't know. It's, look, it's hard to know. What do you think that's down to? Um, good PR. I was lucky when I came back that like I, I got on magazines, I got on TV, I got on radio shows, that kind of thing. And but again, I pushed all of that. I was nobody was coming to me going, "Oh, hey, you're back. What are yeah. you doing? And let's do this." I was like, I went after everything. Nobody helped me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that think certain people helped me with making. I went after everything myself. I didn't rely on anybody. And I had plenty of people that said no. I had plenty of people that didn't even respond. I was like, okay, fine, I'll try someone else. So that helps because that increases in um, followers and engagement and that kind of thing. And I don't know. I suppose I I try not I try not to make the page about me because it's not about me. I don't I don't particularly feel like I have to look ace or I have to whatever I'm not I'm not it's not about me and what I'm wearing and it's like what what do you want to be hearing about what's going to help people what are they going to resonate with and I get so many people particularly people that have challenges around either addictions or specifically eating when they read certain articles they're like oh my god like I actually thought I was reading about myself Mm. they're like like oh my god like just I had one guy I remember messaging me where his his um was he 14? I think he was a 14-year-old kid, killed himself. And he sent me a message and he was like, it was just so great to hear what you were saying and you're so honest and raw. And I was like, in my own head, I was like, how, like, how is he resonating with this? And I actually did message him back saying, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I said, I'm this is just a pure curiosity question. I was like, like, like what actually resonated with you with this? And he goes, the eating part doesn't resonate with it. it was the fact that you talked about that you wouldn't tell anybody what was going on and you had all these feelings and goes, I know that that's what my son was going through. And he didn't speak up. And it was that that resonated. And I was like, and that's why it's important to be honest, regardless of the symptom, whatever it is, that it's, it all comes back. All of the, the, the things come back with the people I work with, whether it's, like I say, alcohol, addictions, eating, stress, anxiety, imposter syndrome, whatever it is, depression. It all comes back to one of three things. You want to know what those are? I do, yeah. Uh, so it's either I'm, I'm not, the feeling of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy or I don't deserve this. Typically it comes back to that. But you have to understand why you are you feeling that. What's happened to you or what was said to you that you formed that belief? So I'm not good. Not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving. And again, it sounds so simple, but if it was that simple, why, you know, why would, why are we not like all saying, oh, I'm a best podcast person in Ireland? Because mm. we should be talking to ourselves like you have. And the thing is about this kind of work, it's not, it's not magic pill stuff. You have to work at it. You know, it's a, a decision you make. And I am good enough at what I'm doing. I could do this. Don't get me wrong, after my first session, when, when they had the first person, they're like, oh my gosh, like, this is insane. I was like, oh my God, I can actually do this. Like nobody was more surprised than I was yeah. because it's something new. And I've ne- I didn't come from a, a back, I worked in HR recruitment. I was never a therapist. But you have to believe in what and you have to like, and someone says, are you a good therapist? I'm like, yeah, I am. Because I, I know I am. Mm. And I fully believe in it because I've been through it. I see how it works. I am a product of that therapy. But I remember when I met you last year, um, we were having a coffee and you were just saying that it did so much for you. Mm-hmm. You wanted to do the same for other people and you were only starting the journey mm-hmm. of the business. Yeah, I think that's like then, a month into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's amazing now because the testimonials that you put up mm-hmm. and I was screen, I was, I was doing screen grabs of some of them because I was going to relay them 
in the interview, but then I just thought, God, there's just so many of them. So many. Yeah. And I, 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 I try and put up, I try to be as diverse as I can um, with kind of, so I don't ask everybody for reviews. So I try and get different topics on different things. But look, there's no, there's no, for me, there's no, so there's two things. I could be on a consultation call and I know that that person is not going to work with me for whether they can't afford it or whatever. And they'll, they'll let them send they're like, God, I actually feel even better just having talking to you. And for me, that's like, oh, do you know, I made someone feel better for, even if that's an hour or an evening or a day. I made someone feel better mm. and there was no financials associated with that. And then when I have people that clients and especially after like you ha- you text them afterwards and they'd say things are good or like, God, I thought it'd be better or wh- whatever it is, because everyone has different levels of success and different timelines. And when you have that first call and they come on and you're like, how are you doing? And they smile. And I know that that means like major things have happened. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know how to explain it. And I'm like, do you know what? You actually don't have to because I was where you were. I know exactly what you're trying to say. You just don't know how to verbalize it. And for me, that's like gold. It's like they have what I have. They got what I got. And that's like, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Looking back now, what would be the advice that you would give your younger self? Um, probably just stop caring about what other people think. It just holds back so many people. Like, when you look back now, even like if I look back now and the people that I was worried about what they think, like, none of these people are in my life. None of them. You know, your, your circle should be small. And my circle is like, I have four best friends that I would consider best friends that know pretty much everything in my life. Not everything, but pretty much close to it. Um, and then I have like, it's kind of like a tier system. Like you have yeah, your, yeah. then you have your other friends and then you have your acquaintances and all of that. And my my circle definitely got smaller um, because like I say, like everyone has their own drama. Everyone has their own, they don't have the capacity to be caring about what you're doing or, or you. That like, just stop, like stop caring about what other people think. Like just you're holding yourself back. And for me, I always kind of when I try and put things into perspective or trying to when I feel myself kind of like thinking in a negative way, I try to bring it back to kind of reality going, I don't want to look back on my life when I'm 17. Going, God, I wish. God, I wish I'd done that. And like, God, all those people are I don't even know where they are. Like, and like, like, I wish I'd done that. I wish I wasn't afraid or I wish yeah. I traveled more. I wish I that 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 for me is fear. I like, I just, I can't, like, I can't let that happen. I just, I, I don't want to, I just, yeah. And I'm I, like, a lot of my friends would say I'm quite a risk taker, like, you know, that I I always was. And I was never, in, in one respect, I wasn't afraid of things. But internally, it was that kind of like, I'm not good enough thing that was always holding me back. Like, I've traveled the world on my own. I went to Saudi on my own. I, loads of things, I, everything, yeah. you know, and I, but it was that internal, you're not good enough. So, it probably would be that one thing, like just, like we all know life is short. Yeah. We all know that. But you have to put it into practice. Like, what are you going to regret? Like, you know, like by the time at that age, it's, you know, it's never too late, but it, sometimes it is. Like my oldest client was 67. Most people at that age were like, oh, sure, look, again, this is who I am. I'm not going to change now. But they're like, I, I just, you know, I might live to 100. 
Yeah, I think once you reach your 30s, um, you realize how fast then life starts going. Yeah. Um, and you need to make changes. You do. And I think when you get older, there is an element of you that does care a little bit less about other things because you realize that like, oh, gosh, like I'm not like 20. I'm not 30. I'm even 30 anymore. Like you're like, it just goes so quick. But I think After when you're age of 30, it just seems to like fly. Yeah. But in your 20s, you, you probably your your group of friends is so big and you're mm. trying to impress everyone and. You know, be the life of the party in front of everyone. And then as you get older, it does naturally Yeah, you're trying to be loads of different hats. You're trying to be loads of different identities. Like I say, like... I, I was well, trying to figure out who you yeah, are. Yeah, like well. I, I didn't know who I was up until like three years. I, like I just, I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't know what I was chasing. Like I didn't, didn't even know what happy meant. Like I was like, what, well, like, what does it actually mean to be like, bury your basics. And like, what, what, what is happy? Like what makes me happy? Really, like if I break it all down, what makes me happy? Bet you the dog is one of those things. Fundamentally. He's my consistent. <laughs> I said to you, I didn't know, I was like, can I, when you said about bringing in a gift, I was like, can I bring my dog? <laughs> <laughs> he's gorgeous. He is. He's, he, he actually is my, my therapy. In this season, we're asking everyone to bring in an item, mm. um, maybe of significance or mm. a little anecdote that it creates or something like that. So did you bring in something today? I brought two things. Okay, cool. Yeah. Share and tell. So what, do you want to see them or I'll just tell you? No, no, sh show them. Okay. Right. Well, so right now you're going through your Mary Poppins handbag. <laughs> There's parasols coming out. It's definitely the Mary Poppins handbag today. So this is a rose quartz. Okay. Right? So my first ever therapy session, which is, like I say, probably about, say about 17 years ago in Galway, actually, not too far from here. The lady had a bowl of stones and when I went in to sit down in the chair as you do, I <laughs> hit the bowl and I was like fumbling to kind of make sure they all stayed in and this one fell out. And she said to me, that one is for you, you keep that. And that has been everywhere with me. Everywhere I've lived that has come with me. So it's actually a sign of love and empathy and a relationship with yourself. Wow. That has stayed with me. So it comes everywhere. Not everywhere physically with me, but yeah. it's all, wherever I live, this is with me. Cool. That's one thing. This is a letter that somebody uh, gave me when I was leaving my last job. And this is important for me because it's kind of going back to what you said. It's not about how long someone's in your life. It's about the impact that they have on it and how they either care about you, they resonate with you, they have your back. And there was a, a just one line in this where they said, I'm so proud to have been a tiny part of your journey. And I was like, God, that's for me, because I really, really respect that person. And I was like, for me, that was like gold. So it's a reminder that whether it's friendships or whatever, like it's not about how long you know somebody. You could know someone for 20 odd years, but they don't really care about you. Or you could know somebody for a year and they're like, have a massive influence in your life. So that's kind of my reminder of perception and people and actions speak louder than words kind of thing. Beautiful. I love it. Mm. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. And as I said, if people want to follow Linda online, go to her Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook account or go to her website, lindaduffy.ie, and that's where you'll be able to contact her as well for rapid transformational therapy. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs>